And welcome to this part two of the first episode from series three of In Bed with Neil Moody, with me, your host, Neil Moody. My guest is makeup guru, Lisa Eldridge. Raised in New Zealand and Liverpool, Lisa is considered as one of the most top respected makeup artists of a generation, and is also an award-winning businesswoman, New York Times best-selling author, and YouTuber. Her latest pop-up shop, currently opening Covent Garden in London, is... Un- oh, start that again. Her latest pop-up shop is currently open in Covent Garden, London until December 31st, 2021. And if you're listening to this later than that date, then I'm sorry that you've missed that, but there may be another pop-up shop that's appeared since if you want to check Lisa's website. Lisa gave me a tour of the shop and then we sat and chatted all things House of Eldridge, from her humble beginnings as a child collecting makeup to a department store skincare specialist and now entrepreneur. Let's go and pick up the conversation with Lisa where we left off on part one, where she tells me about her YouTube journey and onwards. So I'm going to whiz ahead now a little bit to 2009 when you took on, I don't know if say challenge is the right word, but you decided to do the TV show 10 Years Younger. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was 2008, I think. Was it eight? Yeah. Yeah. And I've written here that the premise of the show was to do makeup and beauty treatments versus heavy-duty surgery. Yeah, it was like right. 10 years younger, the challenge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Obviously, you took on the side of doing it with makeup. The first series I did was in the old format. Right. So it was just like me on camera, makeup, and, and then the series producer and the head of Channel 4 said, oh... We actually really love what Lisa does, so yeah. we want to make her more prominent in the next series. Right. And then they came up with the idea of me versus the plastic surgeon. Right. Like a head-to-head. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what made it, I think, really popular, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. And I was so happy because it was quite extreme, you know, wasn't mm. that in love with that side of it. But what made you decide to do that? Because I know... Some people were saying, oh, my God, it could be like career suicide for you in terms of the fashion industry, suddenly going on TV and doing something that's the total opposite of what you've been doing up until that point. Mm. What made you go, "Mm, I'm going to give that a go? I I do this all the time in Mm. my job, and I think that I am curious and I get bored easily. So... Um, I like all of these, yeah, they're quite so much. Yeah. I like all of these things. Like, I love editorial, I love doing things in films, I love. But if I was only, if I was still just doing editorial now, I think I would have lost my energy, my spark, my creativity, all of those things mm-hmm. for it. So I quite like other things, and sometimes I like things which are a little bit. Um, now you'd say, God, TV, not edgy, but then it was like, wow, you know, mm. you have to be careful doing that because it's not really... Mm. I just thought, well, if I do it my way and it's really good, I, I think I just had a feeling it would be all okay. Yeah. And also, I do like to... I like to give myself, like, real challenges. Like, mm. I've never done TV before. Yeah. I've literally never done hardly anything, so I've done one thing with number seven. Um, been on the rain with number seven, that was it. But no, I'd never really done it, so I thought, well, that will give me such an adrenaline kick. Mm. And I, you know, it'll be so interesting to take these women which, you know, feel that they want this like makeover and yeah. and try and do it and, 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 and 
they were like, we're filming the starting next week. Mm. And I just remember thinking, well... Were you crapping yourself? I'll just try it. Yeah. I'll just try it. You know? yeah. And I didn't... I felt confident I could always still do the other stuff. I don't mm. know why. I think deep down I just thought, well... I don't know if you're a good makeup artist, you're a good hairdresser. You're good at what you do. Mm. People can trust you. And, yeah, it was risky. It was yeah. risky. I, I remember watching you though on it. I remember, I like yeah, I'm the same. I like taking, I, I like challenges. I like, I like challenging myself as well. Me too. And kind of going, let's see, let's give that a go and see what happens. Yeah. I'm a very, I don't know about you, I, I like to throw all the balls up in the air and see how they come back down. Mm. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> yeah, life's short. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't want to die regretting not doing yeah. something. I know. But I mean, approach me that TV show. So it wasn't like I went. Woke up one day and went, oh, I want to do TV. Yeah. I didn't. They approached me mm. and they said, you know, this will be great. And it's and I just thought, well, that sounds so interesting. Mm. Like, I don't know how, how to do that. Yeah. But I remember watching you on it and being like, do you know what's great about this is Lisa's still being Lisa. And actually, I thought, what I thought was really good was that you were taking your skills from what you knew from fashion and the beauty industry onto TV. You didn't change anything. And actually, I, I don't know about you, tell me whether you disagree, but I think that's what works so well. Mm. Is because at that time, things of like behind the scenes, backstage was becoming more of a thing, slowly but surely. And people were wanting to know mm. the tricks of our yeah, trade. and there was no YouTube, so you couldn't get no, the tricks. No, no. And in a way, I, I felt that you were actually one of the first people that was putting those tricks out there mm. and letting people see them, understand yeah. them. And I think that's what made it work. Yeah. I couldn't believe it when I did the first sort of two episodes came out. and I couldn't watch myself. I was like, oh, God, you know, is it on? Oh, horrendous. Yeah. I remember I had to go on the Channel 4 website. I think I had to get someone's number or email, so I got what it was. And I remember, like, there was a kind of um, a page, like it was on the front page, like 10 years younger, and it had a photo of each of the people that were in it, you know. Mm. And then underneath mine, there was like 600 comments with, Lisa, now that concealer that you used last week, my daughter's getting married, or something, like, and I was like, and no one else has had really comments, so I thought, that this is so interesting. Mm. And I took that idea to number seven, and I made a DVD of like, how to do your makeup. It was like a precursor to YouTube, I guess. Yeah. And they gave it away free with um, people that went into Boots. And I, because I said, people have got all these questions mm. and they can't get them from magazines because they can't see how to do it. Yeah. You have to see it happening. So, yeah, so that was really good. And the plastic surgeon used to be really competitive mm. with me. Yeah. Because I remember once he did like a nose job on someone and I said, that's not technically anti aging. And you're, that's ridiculous. And he, but he was super competitive. <laughs> Sometimes I would win, and he would not like it. No, sure. He'd be like, oh. yeah. yeah. They'd say that you know. And I thought my people looked so much happier and better. <laughs> and I used to get letters for years afterwards from the contestants mm. saying you changed my life, and it was like yeah. lovely, lovely, lovely letters. Mm. Was that then for you? Was that the premise that made you go, okay, I'm going to do YouTube? No, it wasn't that at all. It was um, that's what made me want to do. Like I did the DVD thing for Boots, and I thought, well, this is so great! Like, just to answer everyone's question like overnight. Mm. 
And then I just, when I saw YouTube, then for me that was a much bigger lightning bolt, like thunderbolt. Mm. I just watched it and went, this is going to change our industry. Yeah. Completely. This is the end of the industry as we know it. And everyone was like, are you crazy? This is like amateurs in their bedroom. I was like, no. Mm. Five years from now, everyone will be their own makeup artist. It's going to be completely democratized. And I remember saying to like big makeup brands, have you seen what's happening on YouTube? And they'd be like, yes, yes, but we're a premium brand. <laughs> uh, and everyone was a bit sort of funny with me. Mm. And then that was really scary because I believed in it so much as being the catalyst. I used to liken it to what happened after the First World War. In that, that was the biggest sea change in the beauty industry. Mm. It was coming back from the First World War. Women had money in the pocket now for the First World War. And, and makeup became affordable. And it was the birth of the kind of industry as we know it today. Mm. But then within about a year of YouTube, I was like, no, this is much bigger than that. This is, this is like a total change of the industry. Mm. So it frustrated me because nobody was interested. Yeah. So I said, well, I'm going to have to do it myself. So your YouTube, where did you record the first ones? Downstairs mm. in my house. I decided to do it to be a bit more like a background, like a white background. And I thought it didn't feel very authentic for me to do it in my bedroom because mm. I was a makeup artist. I spent most of my time in photographic studios. So I thought well, it should look like I'm kind of in the makeup mm. room of a studio. So so it looked quite different because it was a white background and it was, and I thought well, I'll do it on myself because mm. I feel like as a makeup artist, and you must feel this as a hairdresser, if you have a bad hair day, you can sort yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> if I have, a bad day and don't look good I can help myself yeah so I thought well, if I can show people so I decided to do it when I did have a genuine hangover I would look terrible and I did a morning after makeup tutorial mm. and it was about like trying to look good when you've been out the night before mm. uh, I was really nervous putting it up there because everyone was so snobby about YouTube and yeah. so negative about it mm. But I was really nervous about putting it out because I thought, well, everyone's so snobby about YouTube. Mm. Uh, you know, I thought, oh, the publicist's going to stop booking me because they'll be like, oh, yeah. I can't book her anymore because she's on YouTube. Or editors, if they see me on there, they'll think, mm. you know, I'm not a professional makeup artist anymore. Um, but I need not worry because nobody noticed that I was on there. Nobody in the was this? Did you release this video, though, when 10 Years Younger was going on? No. Or was it? I think it finished by then. that finished? Maybe it yeah. just finished. Or mm. maybe I'd finished filming it. I can't remember now, actually. Because you already had your website at that point, didn't you? Yeah, I had a website. Mm. So I was one of the first to kind of get a website. So I was really yeah. into, like, the internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was really into, like, what you could do as a makeup artist on there. So I had a website. Um, maybe the show was still on then. Maybe I'd just actually finished filming it. Mm. Because I remember you telling me that when the show was on after each episode, your website would crash with yeah, all the traffic. Yeah, questions, the traffic. Yeah. So I knew that people were desperate to, like, yeah. get Yeah, that's a real and, sign, isn't it? Yeah. That everyone was, like, really interested in what you were doing. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really nice. And I thought, well, I'll do, like, five YouTube videos. I never thought I'd do it for years. Mm. So all of the questions that I had seen on the channel for website and I've had via my website I thought I can address all of those in five videos mm. um, so I did started doing the videos and I was just blown away by how to me how fascinating it was because it was like 
people would be from all over the world messaging me, mm. saying how much they love the videos, asking me questions, telling me about brands that they use that I've never heard of. So I was learning a lot. Mm. And it was from that moment on, I just was so inspired by it and so into it. And I found it exciting mm. and different. Yes. And I just didn't tell anyone I did it. Mm. And literally didn't tell anyone until I went on a job. And this, it must be, I want to say three years into my YouTube channel. And I went on a really trendy, like high fashion editorial. I'm not going to say the word, but a very, like, very fashionable kind of crew. And it was the stylist assistant went, oh my God, Lisa, I love your videos on YouTube. <laughs> and everyone went. Oh. <laughs> like, I wish I had a camera to take a picture of your face so people oh, to see. Yeah, but yeah, a bit like, that face of like, like disgruntled. Yeah, they were yeah. like, do you do video? I said, yeah, but it's not for you guys, it's for real people. Mm. That's all I said. Yeah. Because it wasn't. Which it is really. Yeah, it wasn't really about, but I didn't. I wasn't on there to teach makeup artists no. how to do makeup. I wasn't on there, although, you know, so many makeup artists now say they did all their training with me in the mm. basics. Like, um, but it wasn't about that. It wasn't about that at all. It was about, like, a love of makeup, an interest in makeup. Mm. I was able to share even my love for vintage makeup, you know, way back in 2010. I did a mm. video about that, and I thought, well, it doesn't matter. If 20 people like it. I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. FYI, <laughs> I checked this morning before I came. You now have 2.06 million subscribers, so I'd say it's been pretty successful. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> to all those people that poo pooed it in the yeah. beginning, right? <laughs> Just putting it out there. What do you think made it so successful, though? Do you think it was. Because I've, I've seen your videos and watched them, and I one of the things, again, that I think is great about them is that. And I can't do this, which really annoys me on my channel. Is you can do things on yourself. Yes. And you're, and I think you've exposed yourself in a way where you've kind of gone, okay, guys, I've woken up this morning, like you said, I've got a hangover, or I've woken up this morning, I've got a bit of rosacea. This is how I cover it. And so people can totally relate to that. Mm. Because, and I think the fact that you're doing it on yourself as well makes them go, oh, well, if she. Gets yeah. it, then it looks better now. She looks better now, so it's fine. <laughs> and in a way, I'm a bit envious of that because as a as a male hairdresser, I can't do yeah, that's a hair on myself. Yeah, you have to always use a model. Always have yeah. to use a model, or whether it's a model or you know a, a, just somebody that I know or whatever yeah. it is. And I can never do that on myself, and I wish I could because yeah. I've I've watched your videos so many times. I've been a bit like, oh, it's so great that Lisa can do it on herself because I think that's what people relate to. Yeah. Do you have a thing that you think is what made it so successful? What's your take on it now? What is it, 12 years it was, later? Yeah, 12 years later. I think it was, I mean, I'm definitely authentically passionate about it. Mm. Like, I'm really, really into it. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is good. Um, I never made videos, I never made it my source of income, mm. which I think kept it fresh for me as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I was never under pressure to make a video every week because it was my job. Yeah. Um, so when I was busy and doing editorials or working with you or whatever, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't put a video up that week. No. If I was feeling, don't really have any ideas this week, I wouldn't put a video up. Um, so it made it so that it was very, you know, I was always pleased to be there and happy to be there. Yeah. Which I think is key yeah. that I think you do have to be happy to be there. Um, and I never, 
I never monetized it. Mm. So I have monetized it now, but it's a charity and it's been really successful as, as a charity for five mm. years now, mm. or six years. Um, so maybe I just didn't give myself that pressure of yeah. having to turn it into a job. Mm. And then I think, I think you're right about being able to do it on yourself as well, because not only do they get to see, oh, you put your elbow out like that when you do your eyeliner, or you pull your face like that when you do mm. that, which is really useful. But also, when I have had, when I have had when, like videos when I think, oh, let's get a model in, then we get the model in, then I can't make it, and then the model isn't free the next day when I can make it, and yeah. then we end up not filming. So mm. when you've got yourself, you can say, I could say today, oh, I want to go and film a YouTube video, and I can go and do it because the model's yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas when we've had other ones and we've tried to get models in, I mean, we do use models, but mm. it's always with schedules and freelance yeah. and if, you know someone's got a job or someone can't make it mm. um so that has helped a lot mm. being able to do it do it on myself as well yeah yeah do you think now as well because obviously youtube's now completely flipped on its head in terms of how people see it and i know you were definitely one of the first professional makeup artists to be on there weren't you do you think it's opened the doors for a lot more professional makeup artists to go on there oh, yeah. as a channel? Yeah, so many makeup artists now go on yeah. there and, and they don't think twice about it. You know, they just yeah. think it's a, a good thing to do. Yeah, I think I was. I'm glad that I was there at the beginning mm. because it was a very. It was a place where before it, there was any monetization, mm. you went on there literally to talk about products that you liked. Mm. It was just such a an amazing world, and I liked. That's what I liked about it mm. at the beginning. I liked that someone could go on there and say, this is a mascara that, you know, works on some people who didn't work on me. Or, yeah. Or, just was, or I like to use this in a different way from how it's been Great conversations. It's just yeah. conversations, and I've, I loved all that. I got, there was a point when sort of five years into YouTube, but it was so heavily saturated by the industry, you know, mm paying people to obviously flog their products yeah. and then it was before there was an ad you know yet mm. people didn't declare ads and I thought this is such a shame it was almost like slightly ruined the industry but mm. I think now it's kind of gone through that and it's at a point where it's in a good place again mm. um, but at the beginning it was very exciting and yeah. it was just like people who loved makeup mm. and talking about makeup and that was like my dream yeah. <laughs> my dream <laughs> please talk about makeup yeah. Yeah. and I love the honesty because I always liked that, you know, with big companies, I'd say, you know, all those makeup ads we used to do back in the day, mm. like five sets of false eyelashes on for a mascara ad, and yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, all the things that you just which you're not allowed to do now, which you're not allowed to do, and really, you should never been allowed to do. And I, I was quite happy to, I'd say, you know, I'd say to big brands, mm. you want authenticity, it's actually going to help you, yeah, let's make it about that because mm. people see that you're trustworthy. So I never took sponsorship. I used to get brands ringing me up all the time, you know, mm. what can you do a feature on our foundations? And, and I'd be like, no, mm. no. Because I won't, I'll sound different for a start. Yeah. I'll suddenly be... You, you know, sound like you're selling it. I'll sound like I'm selling it. Mm. I won't enjoy it. I don't really, it's not my job anyway, and yeah. I don't really want to do it. So yeah. quite quickly, I think all those brands learned that I wasn't really... Mm up for sale in that way yeah and not that I'd knock anyone else that made money out of it you know people that's fine but I want it just wasn't for me and it didn't suit me it mm. didn't suit my personality yeah because I, I, I can't 
I can't do that. So mm. when I do TV now, forgive me, me a script. I say, honestly, I can't do it. Mm. I've got to just talk in my own words, otherwise yeah. I'm going to sound weird. Yeah. I'll, I'll try, yeah. but I'll, I'll sound so weird, mm. I promise you. Yeah. But I think that coming across like that is so much more genuine, isn't it? Less, just less bullshit of, like you yeah. say, sounding like you're selling something. Yeah. Do you think that's why, because you went on to create videos for Chanel, didn't you? Do you think that was off the back of the YouTube was, thing that yeah. came? Okay, yeah, 100%. They yeah. saw what I was doing. They rang me up. They said, oh my God, we love what you're doing. It's amazing. Can you come and do videos for us? Mm. And I said, I can do them on your channel, but not on my own channel. And yeah. in the beginning, they wanted me to do them on my channel. Mm. And I just said to them, look, it won't work. Yeah. It just won't work. And mm. um, it was such early days of YouTube. I felt like I did educate a lot of friends, and mm. not that they needed like education, but they did in a way because they would say, well, "Then you can do like a video on your channel, with Chanel." But I can't because well, it becomes an ad. Yeah, and I it? said, "But the thing is, I already use Chanel products on my channel when I like them and when they fit in with the look." Yeah, I'm not going to suddenly not do that. Mm. And it's better if I just keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Trust me on this one. And they were so good. They were like, "Okay, hundred percent trust mm. you." They didn't they didn't argue with me. Mm. And I said, "But you know, I can send people to." The Chanel channel from if people want to watch it, and I used to put things on my my own YouTube saying, "I've done a video for Chanel using Chanel products. If you're interested, it's there here. It is. Yeah. And if you wanted to watch it, you could. And if you came to my channel, you knew that no one was paying me for anything. Yeah. And if a Chanel product popped up, it's because it's one that I probably used a thousand times before. You see it. Yeah. Or it's a new thing that fitted in with the look I was doing, or I genuinely liked it, and it just made it so much. Um, I, I was happier doing it that way. Mm. And, um, yeah, and I really love working. I really love working. Yeah. Because you're now, and we mentioned it before, that you are... What's your title for Lancome? I'm Global Creative Director of Longcom Makeup. Is it Longcom? Yeah. Obviously, Lancome, that's bad, is it? Longcom. Longcom. And you've been doing that for quite a while now, haven't you? I have. I didn't think I would. Um, yeah. I, I signed in the beginning for sort of two years... I've been, I'd left Boots, I was doing my thing, I wanted to do my own products and I'd sort of started working on bits and pieces and then I was doing uh, ads for Lancome, uh, Longcom, sorry, Longcom, Longcom. <laughs> um, I was doing ads for them and then the president, who I really love, Francois, said, oh, uh, we're looking for a new creative director and we'd love it if you could do it and I said, well, I'm only interested in a proper creative director. Like, I, like you said, I don't want to sign. I said, you know, I've done so much product development and I'm really into that mm. and I'm really into history and I'd like to do more than... And they were, she was like, 100% you will. Mm. Um, and then I thought, oh, this is really interesting. <laughs> I thought, you know, it's such a big company. It's part of L'Oreal Lux. It's um, got a fascinating history. Mm. It ticked all my boxes. And I just thought, well... You know, I'd like to do that for a few years because it'd be so interesting mm. to see the inside yeah. such a big organisation and, you know, it had such an amazing history. You know, I'd always loved all the stuff with Isabella Rossellini and, and I liked the history of it coming from a fragrance brand. Oh, well, it, there was just lots of things I really liked about it. Yeah. So I thought, well, yeah, I'd like to do it. Mm. So, and so it's been going ever since. Yeah, I mean, I I said to them a few years ago, I'm launching my own thing, so I understand, mm. you know, 
It's yeah. been lovely. Thank you very much. And they said, no, no, no. You know, we want you to stay. Mm. It's all credit to them. They're very modern thinkers in that way. Yeah. They're thinking, you know, most brands would not have been as modern as France was and the whole team have been. Mm. So they're like, no, we love what you do. We love your lipsticks. Yeah. You bring so much to us mm. and do so much colour work and product development for them globally. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's like a job that I really enjoy. So yeah. I'm sure there'll come a point when it just won't work anymore, but at the moment, you know, I'm be. so honest with them. Mm. To be honest, I'm beyond honest with them. I'll say <laughs> to them, they'll say, okay, we want to sign you again. I'll be like, well, I might launch this, or I might launch that, or I might do... I, I think of, like, what's the most I could do with my own brand? Yeah. Even if I know half of it, it probably isn't going to happen. I'll be, I'll be beyond honest. Mm. And then they'll say, well, luckily, so far, they said... Mm. We want you to stay. Yeah. So it's incredible. It's very different. Yeah, it's like you say, all credit to them as well. All credit to them, 100%. They, a lot of brands will go, oh my God, your competition. They wouldn't understand it. Mm. They do. They understand that this is the modern world. And I've been, yeah. this is what I've been saying to brands for years. It's about authenticity and it is about mixing different things. Mm. And it doesn't have to be just that old fashioned, you know, yeah. you are allowed to go to another counter now and say, yeah. you don't have it, but they, I, I presume you are, I don't <laughs> know. But, you know, back in the day when I got sacked for doing that, <laughs> it's not where we are now. No. It's a different, um, it's a different time. Yeah. And yeah. I think the more, and, and I notice it, it is like that now. Mm. They are very, they're amazing with me, really. Yeah. But hopefully I do a lot for them. I do, a lot of their best-selling colours and mm. uh, they're always they seem to be very happy with what I'm doing so yeah. I, I don't feel like I'm there and I shouldn't be there mm. you know I feel yeah. and um, as I say I just you know I miss them when I do I, I haven't been to the labs for well the whole of the pandemic and I went to Paris about three months ago and I mm. actually saw the lab team and we were like hugging each other mm. we were so and there's a colourist that I work with there that I just think is amazing and I said, oh, you know, they said, oh, we've missed you because when you're here at the lab, we get so much more done. Yeah. And I'm like, well, same for me. Like, yeah. I, it's hard to send things through, but when I come here, you know, yeah. you all get so inspired and it's, you, you know, you've had that with when you go yeah. and you're working with a good team. It's, you all You can't each be other. being in a room with the same people, can you? That's no. the thing. And like you say, bouncing off each other. And I think that's when collaborations really evolve into something quite amazing yeah. rather than I mean you know we've all been through this whole zoom thing recently haven't we and it just doesn't it's not bad but it's not the same it's not the same you know? it really isn't mm. no I know it's there's just something disconnecting about it and then if you can't hear someone you're not yeah. in the moment or yeah so many little things happen that in that just break the, the magic yeah yeah in 2015 you did your book Face paint story makeup, yeah, which was on the history of makeup. Again, what made you go? I'm going to do a book now. Was it just another one of those moments of I want I want to do something that challenges me and try something different? And you know, yeah, I think I like to do what I was not expected. So I had yeah. my research. I had about ten years worth of research at that point mm. on my laptop. You know, I had folders, makeup history, and history of this, history of that. Um, and then everyone said to me, you should do a how-to book, how to do makeup. And I'm like, why would I do that? It's like, it's all on YouTube. Mm. <clears throat> everyone does a how to do makeup book. So I thought, well, 
to know I'm going to write a TV documentary about the history of makeup. So I wrote this TV documentary. I did a sizzler for it. I actually shot, it's so funny because I have a film, um, a video, Marilyn Monroe makeup tutorial. That was never meant to be on YouTube and it was mm. never even. The story of that is that I wrote, when people say do a how-to book, I'm like, okay, what's the opposite of that I can do? <laughs> I can do a history documentary for yeah. TV, which is like, at that point, you know, TV's going out of fashion. Mm. So I wrote I wrote the the whole thing out, you know, the, the blad, the blad, yeah, as they mm. call it, and the images and shots and things. And I thought, well, I'll do like a little sizzler tape. So I got like two hours at Spring Studios, you know, they sort of, give you a little free slot there. And I thought, well, if I'm going to show, um, you know, some big chino-wearing, you know, 50-year-old white fan, it, you know, the TV's like a little bit yeah. more fashion. Mm. You know, you get those commissioners. Yeah. And they're not really on the ball. I mean, they might be different now. This is like, this would have been way back in mm. like 2012 or something. But, you know, they were always so sort of unless it's old school, unless yeah. it unless it was a format they've seen before. Yeah. So I thought, well, in that case, I'll sort of do you know a, a Marilyn Monroe, and I did like, this whole thing, and I shot all this stuff, and I shot this Marilyn Monroe thing, and I got a model that morning, and it was all a bit rushed and sort of put together, but I, I managed to do it, and I went to see this commissioner, and he was like, oh, makeup, no one's interested in makeup. And I was like, have you seen YouTube? And he was like, no, but you know. Yeah, why would I want to look at that? People aren't going to be watching about makeup on TV. Um, and he's like, you know, history of mascara, who cares? He was, he was really horrible, actually. Mm. So I got home and I was fuming. I bet. I would have been so annoyed. I was so annoyed. I thought they're so short-sighted and he doesn't yeah. understand. So I thought, I know what I'll do. That little bit of the scissor that had that Marilyn Monroe thing. I'm going to put the whole of that up on YouTube, even though there was things about it that weren't ready in a way. Mm. I'm going to leave it up just for a month, and then I'll go back. I'll make an appointment. I'll go, right, you said no. <laughs> this has had this many years. Yeah, let me show you. You know, you lie in bed and wake at night, and you're like, I'll go back. It would have had 250,000 views. <laughs> I would say to him, what do you think about this? So anyway, I put it up. After a month, they had like a million views. Wow. By then, I couldn't care less about that. <laughs> I was like, I was right. Television is not ready for me yet. Yeah. They don't want a TV documentary. There's not the commissioners there. All the commissioners were very old-fashioned, mm. and they're not going to listen to me, so I'll just crack on with YouTube. It's fine. I do my own thing. I don't have to try and explain to somebody who doesn't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I thought I'd carry on, and then it was somebody that was watching my YouTube video, this girl, um, Nell, Janelle, who was, um, well, who is a literary agent, who is my literary agent, but she rang me up and, um, or she messaged me on YouTube, and she said, oh, you're always doing these videos about, like, history of makeup, and yeah, I see that you collect vintage makeup, which was so niche back then, I mean, it wasn't really a thing. Um, she said, have you ever thought of doing a book? Mm. So I said, well, funny enough, I've written a TV documentary, would you like to see it? So I, I showed her it, and I said, oh, I took it to this commissioner, and he just laughed at me, and she said, oh, this is a book waiting to happen. She said, it's actually ready, because mm. I'd done it non-chronologically, and I'd done it in, um, you know, uh, episodes, which right. actually translated to chapters. Mm. So 
she said, I'm going to Frankfurt Book Fair and I'll take it. And I got three offers. Wow. So that was that. Mm. So that was that. And it was great. Yeah. And it was a big success, actually, it was wasn't it? It was a massive success. It was mm. a New York Times bestseller. Mm. It was very hard to do. I honestly didn't. Because you've got all the research, of course, on your laptop, but then when you come to write it down, everything's got to be doubly checked and verified. And I would mm. doubt my sources all the time. Yeah. I would never rely on anything. So if I read in a book that ancient Egyptians put yellow ochre on their face if they were female, I'd be like, well, where's the evidence? Yeah. And then there wouldn't be any evidence. So I'd be like, well, that's not true. Mm. Um, so I, w- I went into all kinds of like, yeah, it was really, really full on, actually, the research. It took a good two years after that, mm. after even 10 years of research, two yeah. years to, and then it was too long. Mm. And I wrote it out. I remember writing out the first three chapters and it was already over word count and I sent it to the I went with a small publisher in the end because I thought they'd be there's a really big publisher that were interested in it and I had a second meeting with them I thought these guys will get it out globally and then as I was leaving the second meeting they went oh and another thing if you can get as many of your celebrity clients to put quotes throughout and it just killed it for me I'm yeah like, you just lost the deal yeah it was way more money and everything mm. and I thought I'm going to go with a small publisher in New York, more of an art publisher, you know, it was, yeah. I thought, yeah, it's not about that. Yeah, when it first went to the editor, they were like, no, this has all got to come out. This is, you've, it's too much information. Mm. And they were right. So I was fuming at the time. I was yeah. like, no, we need to say everything. So I've got, I could probably write another two books on the back of the research. But um, in the end, it was right. What they did was to make it more accessible make it for people that never really thought about history of makeup before. Mm. So even though the research is very academic, anyone can pick it up, like makeup students or mm. anyone, and just think, God, that's amazing that that's in my handbag today. Yeah, yeah. And cut to, right now, there's just been a TV show that you did about the history of makeup. I got an email about that yesterday, actually, about carrying on and going, yeah. going further. Because yeah. there's only three episodes, isn't there? Yeah, we yeah. shot it during the lockdown, and it was... It was a really, you know, it was something that could have been lots of things, but actually it was shot during the lockdown. It's still amazing considering mm. that. I'm really focused on British history. Mm. Um, so we kind of made the best of a really bad situation. Yeah. Like even when we were, I was staying in Bristol and we were doing all the, the stuff in, um, or, or set up studio where I was making all the stuff. Mm. And I, we were staying in like halls of residence that were closed. There was no electricity. There was, it was mad to, to film in, during like the height of a massive lockdown. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, I think it was really, you know, great. And yeah. The, the reviews on it was great. And the scope to do a ton more as well, isn't yeah, it, really? Yeah, we've left so much open. It's yeah. Nice. Even though each hour was only one decade in British history, we mm. still had struggled to fit everything in. Yeah. There is a lot to say. Mm. And I think what I wanted to do was open that world up to say, you know, I've been collecting vintage paper for years. I've spoken to the various museums and these are the names mm. the ones that mm-hmm. have rejected and been like, oh no, mm. we can't have anything about just makeup. It's not really, you know, it's not intellectual enough. It's not really, um, mm. it's not taken seriously. So I think slowly, slowly from the YouTube to the videos to the book to my collection being on, on show now and Covent Garden or some of it mm. and um, the documentary, I think it's finally people are like well there's so much social history there yeah. and it is a window into history and there is a lot 
to say about it. So mm. I think it's you know it's only taken sort of twelve years, but I think I've finally broken you through. Cracked it. I've cracked it. Cracked <laughs> <laughs> it. Who might say sense? Twelve years later, hopefully. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but it just shows it, doesn't it? Persistence as well. That's yeah. the thing with this particular project of yours. It's like, you know, and I, I, I've talked to a lot of people about this, about persistence, because, you know, a lot of my podcasts have been about people being entrepreneurial, thinking outside of the box of what their regular job is. And I think, you know, this, what you've done with that is proof that sometimes you've got to persist with things and push it for, not necessarily pushing people's faces, but just keep pushing your ideas forward. And eventually something does roll into something else and into something else and it's a question of like you said people getting their head around things to begin with because some people don't always get it in the beginning you know they just kind of go what like you say the stuffy guys at wherever it is TV we won't talk about these channels but you know and sometimes you have to push your way through those because Mm -hmm. it's it's about changing people's thought patterns about what they how they see it Mm -hmm. and I think things like makeup hair especially in beauty's people see it's quite frivolous. Oh, yeah. And actually, it's not. There's so much more involved in it than people imagine. You know, I mean, I've, I've been talking recently to somebody about the conversation about where you used to say, oh, I'm just a hairdresser because people used to... Be embarrassed. Be embarrassed. Yeah. You know, or, oh, I'm just a makeup artist. And, and how that conversation needs to be changed. Mm. You know, and people shouldn't be embarrassed about it because... You know, even as a hairdresser, there's so many more things you can do. It's not just about standing behind a chair in a salon. Mm. But it's not just standing behind a chair. You're you're like a therapist. You're an artist. You're doing Mm. so many things as a hairdresser. Yeah, totally. You need so many skills. Yeah, and the same with makeup too, you know. And like you say, you understanding the history of makeup and where it's come from Mm. gives you so much more scope to develop maybe, you know, probably within your product line Mm. as well, which... I do want to talk to you about, obviously, because that's an important part of this podcast that we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa Eldridge, make up. <laughs> I have to say, Lisa, I love how you've approached the idea of launching a product line because you did it so small mm. in these little capsule collections, yeah. which I think is so clever. Because you started with three lipsticks, mm. didn't you? Yeah. Based on velvet. Yeah. Which... Um, was amazing and obviously they sold out like instantly but you also am I right in saying that you didn't sort of um, produce millions of them you did it very like a small number as well in the beginning there was quite a lot so I I was terrified I wouldn't be able to sell them actually Mm. because I was I had this idea about a lipstick that looked like a piece of velvet and Mm. I'd, I'd done this shoot for Teen Vogue and I stuck real velvet on the model's lips and mm. I thought you can kind of get lipstick to feel velvety what if it looked like velvet actually yeah. on a bullet um, we tried to well, had, we tried to make it and it's because it's not a spray on effect it's an actual mould every time we did it about 50% would come out wrecked right. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't survive mm. the removal of the mould so I kind of thought, well, that was a nice idea, but it didn't work. Mm. And then I had the good ones in my studio. Whenever people used to come around, they'd be like, oh, my God, what is that? 
that? Is that a real lipstick? Mm. Can you actually use it like that? There would be questions. And eventually people would just be constantly talking about it. And I said, I've got to have another go with this. So I was lucky because I don't think a big brand could have done it because the amount of the amount of quality control mm. that was needed. I was on the quality control line. I had to have extra people on. So every time they came up the model to check them, and if they were damaged, melt them down, did it round again, do it mm. again. Mm. So it actually took a long time to make them. Um, and I launched with just three shades. And I had, I forget what I had, like 30,000 of each shade, something mm. like that to start with, which seemed like, oh my God, I'm never going to sell these. <laughs> people are going to be like, the first run was... Not massive, but not small either. Mm. And I thought, well, are people going to be like, this is a weird looking thing? You know, it looks, maybe they wouldn't understand it. Mm. So they sold out within about a day um, and everyone loved them. I mean, they were, they were they really were a work of art, mm. I have to say, and they are a work of art. I, I, I find them stressful to make because mm. we know that we're going to have to check every single bullet. Nobody does yeah, that. Yeah, they can't come out. Wrong, basically. They can't come up wrong. Everyone mm. needs to be perfect. When they're packed, because they're so full of pigment, they've got way, way more pigment than probably lipstick should have in, which mm. is why they're so creamy. They're so pigmented. Makeup artists love them. Non-makeup artists love them. They're like pastel crayons. They're mm. so artistic in that way. Um, so when we pack them, we have to make sure they're well wrapped up, mm. you know, because they're... So they were so successful, and I was like, I'll have to make them again. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I can do it again. Yeah. So then the second year I made them, I made nine shades. So I made three sets of three. Ooh. And I was, it's sleepless nights, you know, Ooh. terrifying. Oh, they're going to all, we're going to be able to make enough. Because by then they'd sold out so quickly, I had to up, up, up my order. So Ooh. people would be disappointed. And then I made so many that I sleep this night. So I'll never sell these. <laughs> I'll never sell them. Oh my god! Yeah. You know, I'll have them forever. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with them. They're going to be my house. My house is going to be with lipsticks. Um, and then trying to make them, and then like you know, oh god. Yeah. Anyway, then they were just like a huge success. Mm. They sold out quicker. <laughs> so that was that, and I, I just it came. It just went off the back of that, really. Yeah. And then you know, I was. Had a lip gloss that I was interested in for that I was developing, and then I, you know, I launched that, and slowly, slowly. But it's a lovely luxury for me because I haven't got to launch things. But mm. I'm not ready. I don't have to. Yeah, you're not under any pressure. I'm not under any pressure again, mm. which is really nice. Um, I mean, there is pressure to, you know, if things are almost ready and suddenly not, of course, I'm gutted if there's like a yeah. hold up or. But it's been a really nice thing to be able to work at my own pace and yeah. my own time in my own style mm. and um, I, I, I'm really enjoying that yeah. side of it but I do, it does still stress me out so mm. yeah. you know, I'm like I don't want to cut out for this <laughs> I think I'm, I just care too much I literally yeah. want to go with every package <laughs> I want to make sure it's applied properly Turn make up sure it's arrived <laughs> have you got it you please <laughs> what did I put it on? Because if they don't put it on properly, I'm like, oh no, you, yeah. you need some help. <laughs> like, you need to do it like that or whatever. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm too much. Yeah. I'm too much. Yeah. I wish I could, um, as everyone says to me, you've got to wear it 
less more likely they can tell me. I'm like, don't know how to do that. No. Well, you can't change who you are, though. That's the thing, can you? In that respect, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. But I think the fact that you care so much is what probably makes each product special when it comes out. Hopefully, it's because yeah. you work so hard on it. Because yeah. now you've just launched the foundations, haven't you? Which yeah, launched foundation. Is that in line with the pop up shop? Which yeah. we have to talk about because we're here. Oh yes, yes, we do. Yeah. Mm. This is another one of those sort of, you know, thinking about doing something pop y this this year, and you know, originally looking at department stores, and then department stores, you know, it's, it's again, it's an older model. Isn't Another it? entity, isn't it's, it? A, yeah. How high is your merchandising, and well, you can't really have your vintage makeup next to the makeup, or you can't have your jewelry there, and. You know, the rules, it's all about the rules. It's all rules. Where are you going to be in the store? You know, in relation yeah. to this one, like, it doesn't feel very me. Mm. Not that you know, I might do that eventually, but it didn't feel very me. Mm. So I said, rather just have my own space. I can put my vintage makeup collection out. I can put my jewelry there. I can put my makeup there. I can create a world that just feels more authentically me, and mm. not have to worry about it. And I want—I knew I wanted to do events and talks and things as well, and, mm. and I wanted them to be in the space. So. You know, I thought, well, I can't really do it in a department store because I won't be able to have that feeling, really. No. And then I thought, well, I'll do, um, like, a long weekend. Or <laughs> <laughs> a week's pop-up somewhere. <laughs> you know, so good week, yeah. I'd looked at different places, and then I thought, well, Covent Garden is such a great place, and it's so nice this time of year. Yeah. As you can see, it's mm. so sort of lovely and... It's become a bit of a hub for beauty and as well, hasn't it? it's become a hub for beauty, which I really liked. You know, yeah. I love that. Mm. So we spoke to them and they were like, oh, we're such big fans of yours. You know, we'd love to offer you something. And they offered me like four different shops. One was on James Street, which is like right near the tube station mm. and with all the entertainers. But it, when I went inside, I could hear all the entertainers and I thought it just doesn't it's feel too, very me. Yeah, yeah. And then they showed me another one that was nice but it wasn't very me and then they said we've got this one next to the opera house and I was like oh that sounds nice mm. <laughs> and it was just around the corner from where all the madness is but it's still on the right bit where you know, yeah, it's in the, the piazza opposite. yeah in the piazza I'm mm. just across from um, Chanel um, I'm next door to the opera house and um, it's just lovely I just think it's just the, you know, the, the shop front is gorgeous I yeah. love it and then they said but we'd love you to keep it mm. stay there Firstly, like forever, and I was like, no, you know, um, I don't think I'm doing that. I'm really planned on that. But they said, well, definitely till January. So I said, okay. So I've taken it till middle of January, although I do close it on um, New Year's Eve because I have to obviously pack this all down. Yeah. Yeah. And then, by the time we got the contracts and it was all signed, we had 10 days to do it and put it together. Wow. And this is a shop within a shop. So all these walls are mm. made sort of like a film set, really. It's yeah. made by me. So it's, I found a fantastic designer that does a lot of shoots. I had never met her on a shoot. Her name's Scarlet Winter, which mm. is firstly just the most amazing name. Scarlet it's Winter from Hackney. She's got the best name ever. And I looked at some books and I just thought, oh my God, I love her. Everything mm. she's done, all the work she's done. And she'd done these animal heads for Stella McCartney, this shoot. And I just thought she's got a sense of humour. It's just brilliant. And I met her and I took her around the space. I took her to my studio. She looked at everything. 
did her first set of plans, which she said never get through. And I was like, mm. yeah, everything that I mentioned is in here. Thank you, you've done it. Yeah. And then she had a great team and made everything. And mm. um, we just about did. The day of the launch party, mm. it was like changing rooms, literally <laughs> sweeping up, picking up bags, moving boxes as the sort of half first an hour before, <laughs> like two minutes before yeah. boxes being moved out. Wow. It was one of those. Yeah, we did it. Three kilos <laughs> in the te- that ten days mm. of just nervous energy burnt. burnt. Oh, do you remember that good little weight loss program? Mm-hmm. Pop up. Yeah. It and so just very quickly just to wrap up what are the products that have just come out that are now in the pop-up shop as well that are here with us so in the pop-up what's great is that all of the out-of-stock shades are here so mm-hmm. I kept back a, a lot of stock because I knew this was coming so I sent out all my usual stock to America and Europe because I have different sort of warehouses and then out of the UK stock I ordered more and then I kept made sure I had like this mm-hmm. whole batch of stock so Everything sold, things that sold out online actually are still available here. So all the velvets, all the uh, luxuriously loose lipsticks, all the lip glosses, liners. Liners are new to the pop-up. All of the highlighters are here. The foundation is here. Got great artists here, working makeup artists. What else have I got that's in the pop-up that's nowhere else? No, I can't think. Yeah, just everything that I make is here. Yeah. The only thing that isn't here is the blush because I didn't manage to get them back in time and the new highlighter colour. But we're using it here. It just yeah, isn't available it's yet. not available so far. Um, all the new liquid eyeshadows, the cream eyeshadows are here and they've been here actually since day one so mm. people are able to try them on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's like the full, the full, and I sell other brands here as well. So mm. little, because it was, I was inspired to do that because of makeup artist that used to assist me years ago. It's now makeup boss in LA. Mm. She sent me a message a few months ago. She was like, oh, I'm coming to London for this red carpet event. Where can I go to discover beauty and interesting new makeup things or just like a discoverable makeup place mm. in London? And I was like, that's such a good question. There isn't really anywhere now. Like in, back in the day, it was Space NK or mm. to Pouch that shop, Pouch, yeah. and come gone. I said, I didn't know. I said, well, you go to department stores, and that's it, really. Mm-hmm. So that inspired me actually to have like some brands here that you can't get anywhere else, yeah, in physical spaces. So, and mm-hmm. then I thought, well, I'll do you know, all of my vintage makeup, like, well, not all of it, I've got more, but to do like an exhibition of that as well, to mm-hmm. have um, that alongside it as well, yeah. Well, it's been a massive success, hasn't it? I mean, cues yeah, around the block. One of my wildest dreams. I'm, yeah. I'm always so cautious. I said, if it breaks even, I'll be happy because it's going to be a lovely experience. It's going to be so nice for my customers. But mm. it's, it's, And then we did like an, another case scenario where we did quite well, and another case scenario where we did really well, and it's actually succeeded. Yeah. It's succeeded all of my all expectations. Of yeah. yeah, it's actually been... Amazing, and Cobb God are asking me to stay on, but I am going to close it. Um, mm. But that's not to say I won't come back. And yeah, yeah. Time, review like... it, review it, and then see what to do next. I yeah, guess. yeah. It's a good little testing round, isn't it? I guess to see. Yeah. You know, as a way of going. Okay, does this work? Yeah, and I've really never done anything like that before. Retail. Yeah. I don't know any about it. I didn't yeah. know any about it. I didn't know yeah. how to find, you know, the retail, the good makeup artists, or luckily mm. I have an amazing David Hall helped me. He's an amazing makeup artist. He pulled the team together, found mm. a manager for me. 
you know, than the rotors and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's a whole different ball game, really. Mm. And then with the events, that's been so fun because I've been able to be as geeky as I want. I do makeup history nights. Mm. We had a pigment specialist. We made pigment on Monday night. Everything that I've wanted to do and I'm interested in in beauty. Mm. Um, and where can people go to see whatever, what's happening? Because obviously it's open till December 31st. Is everything available on your website, lisaeldridge.com? Yeah, everything's available on the website. You can just come into store. There's no, we don't do bookings. You just pop in. Mm. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I think all of the masterclasses and the workshops are sold out now. Mm. But you can email us because one or two people, if anyone gets ill, obviously we have to drop out. So yeah. um, sometimes a couple of tickets will come up before... You know, yeah. We've yeah. just got fun things. We've got the guy from Strictly come dancing and makeup artist used to assist me doing a Strictly makeup night. Then we've got oh, like a God, to come to that. Come to it. We've got a pigment specialist who is amazing. Then we've got a historian this week that's talking with me about the nineteen twenties. We've got yeah, it's just like fun. You know, yeah. it's just fun yeah. stuff that I enjoy and I personally am having. You know, because I like I'm just want to stay curious and keep learning about yeah. things. Yeah. What's next for Empire Eldridge? Or do you not know? I, I would like to take my pop up to America. That would be so fun. Because mm. that's a big audience for me. You know, that's a big, a lot of my customers are there. And I've had so many people saying, I can't believe you've done it in London. Why didn't you come here? Um, so that's been the most requested thing. Right. Like when we look through all the comments mm. on anything to do with the pop up, it will be. Why you know come to Paris or come to um, yeah come here so it would be a bit of a travelling yeah I think so I think I'd like to do something like that yeah and then just in terms of my brand I guess the next stage would be to have it available in other places but it's just figuring out where and how to do it yeah you know I'm not rushing into anything that's not going to be right for me and fit with my brand so I guess I'm lucky in that way that it's you know it's not I've not got investors that are. Mm. Telling me to do this or telling me to yeah. do that, I can do it on. You make the rules. It's, it's all my own right? terms, and mm. I'm making the rules on myself. Yeah, it's nice. Brilliant. Well, congratulations! It's an amazing shop, and you are amazing anyway. And oh, you know, and I feel you know, we've had so much fun over the years. I know, I know. I feel privileged to be able to interview you as well, actually, because oh, it's no, you know it's no, so no, nice to be able to. We've had so much, many laughs over the years. We've worked mm. together for. Forever. Yeah, and I know. We hit it off from day one. We did, didn't we? I think we did, yeah. <laughs> I think that northern sense of humour. Yeah, since since that job in LA. Yeah. yeah. And then every job we've ever done, we've always had such, I know. such a good time. Well, to end, I'm going to do my quick fire questions with okay. you, which is, again, more fun. Yeah. You can have a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Answer one word, sentence, or okay. however you want. Some of the questions are silly, but just be you. Okay. <laughs> First question, what's your guilty pleasure? Really trashy TV, eating loads of sweet things, reading trashy books. I've got lots, mm. yeah. Someone said to me, actually, which I thought was really interesting, they went, there should be no guilt in pleasure. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. That is a good one. So, yeah, I'd say that. Yeah. Favourite ice cream flavour? Booja Booja. Because <laughs> I don't eat dairy. It's a vegan ice cream brand. Oh, oh my man. God, it's so good. And they have a chocolate salted caramel. Oh. Yeah, I've got, I've got some at home. Oh, my God. Um, I want to try that. Around. I'll pop round for a bougie bougie. No, bougie <laughs> bougie. <laughs> so good. You'll never, you'll never go back. <laughs> go back. 
If you could be a superhero, who would you be? <laughs> oh, anyone that could fly, obviously. Yeah, yeah. want to fly, yeah. Favourite artist, past or present? Past would be definitely Brancusi, sculptor, and now would be Jenny Savile. Mm. What would be your dream job if you weren't a makeup artist? Oh, I know that for a fact. I would be... I still might want to do it if I've got time. <laughs> you want to can fit it in. Fit it in. <laughs> Don't think I haven't thought about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe I would love to do that picture restoring. I was watching it on TV last night. There's a programme about it now. Mm. You know those, those people that clean old paintings? Oh, yeah. And then they make the pigments to match what they would have had before. And it's got to be the same colour. So people I do makeup. I was going to say that. And when they restore the skin tones and they restore painting. Oh, there's, a, there's a reality TV show about mm. it. I was watching it literally last night. Oh, wow. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I actually, I really want to do it. Yeah. It's so fascinating when they peel back the layers. Mm. And then, obviously, they're, they're amazing, these people. They know exactly what varnishes have been used. They don't damage the varnish. But mm. then they... They were able to like create the pigment to look aged and to look authentic and mm. they can just repair it or brighten it all up and make it look as good as new. It's wow. quite a thing. Interesting. Yeah, it's amazing. What's the last item you purchased? I purchased only about a week ago a pair of cords. <laughs> They're the Freud black cords. Lovely. I don't think they suit me actually, I've worn them now. Mm. <laughs> They're right for me. Never mind. What's your daily beauty regime? Depends on the day. So I'm when I've got time, I've got face masks. I'm just walking around the house. I love putting face masks on. Mm. I'll be doing like cleansing. I love to do. I'll do a thorough cleanse, and I love massaging my face. Mm. It's my mum that taught me that. Though. So I'll be doing a lot of massage while I'm watching TV mm. like this at night. <laughs> you in a film of your life? Kira Knightley, because I get on with her so well. It's good. And we have a similar sense of humour. So she probably knows you then. She knows me quite well. Yeah. Yeah, but she's gorgeous. That would be like, I'd I'd be punching above my weight. No, that'd be silly. But but no, because I I like her. Yeah. Karaoke song of choice? Maybe No Scrubs. (laughs) TLC. TLC. I don't want those scrubs as in face scrubs. <laughs> 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 oh, we always used to do that one. I just think back to, it's back to actually uh, yeah. Tokyo. In the old days, we used to do TLC. Um, I remember doing it with uh, Tina Larkone on a boat trip. 
What would you say is your best personality trait or feature? I think I can probably get on with anyone, so mm. if I go and see royalty, I feel confident that I can get on with them. Yeah. And if I see anyone mm. from any what background, mm. any life, any um, just find common ground with people. Yeah. Like I never feel like mm. in any way sort of anything other than human. Yeah. And that other people are anything other than human. Mm. It's probably quite useful, actually, yeah. in my job as well. Yeah. Favourite food? Well, I haven't eaten meat for 35 years. Oh, wow. I didn't realise it was that long. Most people don't know that about me. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm practically vegan now. I was always vegetarian for years, but mm-hmm. now I don't eat dairy products and stuff, so... So my favourite food would be, um, I'm going to have to say beetroot, <laughs> which my husband hates. Yeah. And literally, if you go to any restaurant, he'd be like, oh, beetroot on the menu. So she's, I know what you're having. <laughs> I love it. I love beetroot. Very, very last question. Years ago, you and I went to Scotland for a shoot for Harper's Bazaar America. And we had the first day off waiting for the model Amber Valletta to arrive from the US. So we went for a walk on the hills. And we laughed and joked about how funny it would be if everything in life was in the style of Julie Andrews in the sound of musical Mary Poppins. <laughs> so we rewrote a song in the style of Julie Andrews, that's, and the song started out as a satirical take on punk music, but now sits proudly alongside <laughs> anything released by the Sex Pistols, the Buzzcocks, or the Clash. Do you remember our version of that song at all? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, we got there. We got there, and no one was no arriving one was for there. two days or something. We were yeah. like, "Why are we here?" Yeah, in the middle of the Scottish they Highlands. Flew us there early. Didn't flew they? us there early. Yeah. So yeah, so Neil and I go off like round the hills, and we decided to yeah. We re we basically rewrote "Jilted John", John by yeah. "Jilted John." Yes. Yeah. And I remember it started with, I've been seeing a rather nice, nice girl, girl who goes uh, by the name is Julie, the name. name of Julie. But I last night she spoke these two words whilst we were watching television. Telly. Was it telly? Was it telly? <laughs> I thought it was funnier. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whilst we were watching telly, she said, listen, John, I love you. But there's this man I quite fancy. <laughs> I don't want to have sex with two males, so it's finito for you and me. Deep into that. We went so deep. We went so deep into the whole thing. We turned it into a musical. We rewrote it. Julie Andrews. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what made and me laugh is. it. Oh, probably. We did, because I think I remember sort of running down the hills <laughs> and singing at the same time and doing the whole. Oh, dear. That was so brilliant. But that was my favourite line. But I don't want to have sex with two, two males. It's two timing. It's for me. And I just want to say that I think our version sits proudly alongside High on the Hill with a Lonely Goat Herd <laughs> and So Long Farewell. <laughs> I think so, definitely. I think it's better. I think it's much better. Maybe we'll record it one day, Lisa. You we never know. We have to. We have to. We've done so many mad things like that. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much for doing this with me. Oh, no, thank you. It's thank been you great. I've learned things honest. about you that I didn't know, I actually. To be on this podcast. 
podcast. Yeah, it's been really great talking to you. And, and thanks for coming to the shop. No, a lot. no, thank you. And for anybody listening, come and visit the shop. You've only got till December the 31st, which is New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. 2021, by the way, if you're listening to oh, this yeah, yeah. <laughs> 20, in 2022. <laughs> you missed it. <laughs> Too bloody late. <laughs> no, thanks, Lisa. Thanks. You can follow Lisa and her amazing career on her Instagram account at Lisa Eldridge Makeup, and you can watch her amazing tutorials on YouTube on her channel, Lisa Eldridge. For any updates, you can go to lisaeldridge.com. And as I mentioned, the pop-up shop is currently open in Covent Garden Piazza until December 31st, 2021. By the way, there is a unique podcast episode now available that has been filmed for my YouTube channel, Neil Moody, called Minding the Gap Male Suicide Awareness where I'm talking with my guest, Tom Chapman, world-renowned barber and founder of the Charity Lions Barber Collective, who specialise in training barbers and hairdressers to recognise mental health issues in clients, and Rosie Tapner, model-turned-TV presenter who is the ambassador for well-being of women and children's air ambulance. We are discussing the importance of continuing to raise male suicide awareness, especially within certain communities where it's still a taboo subject. Series 1 and 2 of In Bed with Neil Moody are also available on all podcast platforms. And remember to subscribe to be notified of any up-and-coming episodes. Thanks for listening.